So last week we talked about the theology of singleness, and um, to sum it up, basically in the Old Testament, there are these covenants, right? Covenants, and then all of these covenants, they promised offspring. So if if um, if you had off, if you had offspring, if you had children, that meant that God had blessed you. Uh, because I, it's either there's two types of covenants. There is the um, there's like the grant type, and then there is also the um, uh, kind of con- contractual. So contract. So the grant is these are unconditional covenants, meaning that God is going to bless you or he's whatever he's promised the covenant is going to happen no matter what. There's also the contract, which is something more like, oh, an example of the grant is um, the Abrahamic covenant, the uh, Adamic covenant, um, the uh, Davidic covenant, um, and then the contract is something like the Ten Commandments. They call that the Mosaic covenant. Um, so grant, it doesn't matter what you do. God is going to keep that promise no matter what. The contract covenants, this is something like the Ten Commandments, where if you obey the commandments, you're blessed. If you disobey the commandments, you are cursed. So... Um, if you had offspring, that meant that you were blessed because in all these covenants, they said that God promised offspring. But if you ended up not having children, um, that meant that you were cursed. So kind of the paradigm that they were working off of in the Old Testament was, um, I don't have children, that means that God has cursed me. Well, what do you need to do to, what, what are the steps that lead up to children? Let's, let's go backwards. So let's do um, children. Children. Okay, what leads to children? Sucks. Okay, what leads to sex? Heavy <laughs> petting. Wow. Heavy petting. Okay, well, sex, um, usually you need to like find someone, right? So, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Partner up with someone. Can't do it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean for that to go that way. All right. So that means um. So There's you have to find a partner. So this is kind of like the equivalent of dating now or being single. Um, what we have now is basically there was no such thing as dating back in the Old Testament times. Um, you just it's usually by arranged marriages, um, and. of people were married back in the olden day. Mm. So that meant they all had a wife, they all had um, maybe at some point a boyfriend, girlfriend. But, so this is the Old Testament paradigm. Boom, here comes the New Covenant. Who is a person that introduces the New Covenant? Or, who comes along with the New Covenant? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is the fulfillment of all the covenants right here. So... The way that the New Testament talks about um, these covenants is that Jesus has fulfilled them, and no longer are offspring or uh, or family or mates a sign of blessing, but rather um, you have everything that you need in Christ and everything that God gives you right now. We're fulfilled. We're complete. So the big point that we made last week was that um, if you're ch- if you're childless, if you don't have a husband or wife, if you don't have a boyfriend, girlfriend, does not mean that you're cursed. It means that, it's, it means that whatever like relational state we're in, God 
you, we already have everything that we need. God has given us everything. So we can say Christianity is the only religion, major religion, that affirms the, um, the, the virtues or it affirms singleness. So it affirms both. both. Because Buddhism says singleness is better than marriage. Mm. Right? Um, if you're a real Buddhist, because the the uh, marriage is bad, yeah, the, corrupting. The the Buddhist philosophy is that um, like desire is bad, right? Desire is bad. So if you desire a husband or wife, that's something's wrong. Not sex is bad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So of the monotheistic religions, Islam, Judaism, and we'll throw in Mormonism because everyone has so many kids. If you're a Mormon, um, uh, they all say that um, you should find a husband and a wife. You should have children. Christianity is the only monotheistic religion that affirms the uh, affirms singleness as a lifestyle, and it's okay to be single. It's the only religion that affirms both. Yeah, it affirms both. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of a review of last week. Um, so let's go into this week. We'll talk about a, a little bit about the theology of family and um, singleness and uh, what it points to, and then we'll spend the last few minutes just talking about some of the practical aspects because the reason why I'm putting more, I'm giving less time to the practical aspects is because you can find so much uh, information online on how to do stuff and how not to do stuff and um, but uh, I, I wasn't able to find as much information on kind of the, the biblical background and how to think about things so I want to uh, what I was able to find what I was able to study I, I want to present to you all right cool all right so the new paradigm of family so Along with Jesus coming uh, with a new covenant, it also gives us a new way of thinking about family, of thinking about children or um, husband, wife. All right. So um, I'm going to ask uh, Ashley, can you read Luke 11:27 through 28? A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. All right. So... Um, this is a woman that talks, that sees Jesus, and she tells Jesus, um, the woman who, who gave birth to you, she's blessed. Remember, this goes along with the Old Testament way of thinking. Um, so if, uh, here's Jesus, he's doing all these, all these great works, and someone recognizes, this is someone who has, who's really doing great things, and, um, this means that his mother's blessed, blessed, um, again, thinking about, um, offspring and motherhood the way an Old Testament Jew would think about uh, this sort of stuff. But Jesus says, no, let's think about it another way. He says, the one that's really blessed is a person that keeps or hears the word of God and keeps it. Okay? So, he's kind of starting to turn people's thinking around and say, um, what is real blessing? Is it your relationships? Is it your children? Is it your family? Jesus says, no. If you hear the word, if you keep the word, this is a person that's really blessed. Let's continue on. Um, Tub, can I have you read Mark 3, please? Yeah. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he said, he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. All right. Is that not like such a weird thing to hear? Jesus is saying, the, the your your family is not the is not the group of people that you live with, the group of people that you grew up with. It's not those that you share necessarily share um, blood relations with, but it is um, whoever does the will of God. So again, Jesus is uh, 
casting new light on how to think about our family. Okay. Uh, Mark 10. Uh, Tracy, can, you have, can I have you read that, please? Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. All right, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that in this life, what's most important? It's not the stuff that you have right now. It's not your family. He says, in fact, um, there are some people that uh, may have to leave their brothers and sisters. They may have to cut out their familiar, their family ties. And we hear about this, maybe not so much in America, although it, it does happen frequently, but um, especially in uh, other countries, such as in, in Islamic countries, where if you become a Christian, if you admit that you're a Christian, that's basically a guarantee that you will never see your family again or that they will try to kill you. So Jesus is saying, you know what? The relationship that you have with the church, with the family, this trumps your blood relations. And is that not a crazy thing to think about? I mean, we hear about, um, uh, like, um, they're like... I think that's even radical for us growing up in the Asian American context. Mm -hmm. This family is still really of the highest importance right loyalty to family yeah and and like so many um like so many people they market like certain christian groups or churches as we're we're family friendly we're pro pro family right but the the reality is jesus is almost the most anti-family person around right because he's the one that's telling you um leave your brothers and sisters and mother and father that's if that's not anti-family, I don't know what is, right? And he's saying like you have another family, and this family <coughs> takes precedence over your blood family. All right. Um, final, uh, Roxanne, can I have you read John nineteen, please? When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, "Woman, behold your son." And then he said to the disciple, "Behold your mother." All right, so what's happening here is Jesus is, he sees his mother Mary and he sees his disciple Peter. And Peter tells, uh, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, my mother is now your mother. And he tells Mary, Peter is now your son. And they go home together. And Jesus is telling Peter and Mary, you guys are, uh, you are as if you're really mother and, and son. And Peter takes on the obligation of a son to Mary, and she, he's going to take care of her. Um, so this is the church, and this is how Jesus presents um, how to think about the church, or how to think about um, our our family relationships. So Jesus is saying, um, your the the your church family is more important than your blood family. Is that not like a crazy thing? And um, well, I think it's hard maybe to maybe another way to think of it also is that. Um, what you used to get from biological family, you can now get from mm. church, right? Because like a lot of times, the reason why women had to remarry is because that was their only source of livelihood. Right. But one of the class of people that Paul and the Bible says again and again the church needs to support is widows. Mm -hmm. So widows don't, don't need to remarry just for livelihood. Yeah. But the church will surround it. They'll be there. They'll be sons and daughters to this woman. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. 
Well, your retirement plan, Wade. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's. He has Alexa. <laughs> you have us. <laughs> I hope if, 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 for whatever reason, if I never have children, um, your children are gonna have to support me when I'm like 80 years old. <laughs> All of you guys. I'm like, I'm like, before you leave the, do- before you walk out of this classroom, you have to like sign a paper saying like, I pledge to let my children take care of you. <laughs> All right. So, this. Any questions or comments on this? I think that's important because, like, um, a lot of times when I hear people say, oh, I really want children, this is not the only reason, but one of the reasons is they're worried about livelihood, mm, mm-hmm. right? Who's going to take care of them? Yeah. I, I guess the answer is, if you belong to a church community, they'll take care of you. Yeah. So I hope the IGC becomes that type of church where it actually happens. Well, we'll see how it's it works. Goal, yeah. It is, but that's that's kind of how Jesus talks about the church, right? There's, there's a... Um, one of my professors, he wrote a book called um, "When the Church," when the church was family. Um, I have this book if you want to borrow it. It's kind of more of a academic work, but it's um, it's a pretty good book. It talks about how uh, just um, in the first century, like they people took Jesus' words seriously, and they actually did leave their mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers behind okay all right um oh one more thing so uh i i want i i listened to one guy speak this was at biola and um he talked about how um how he lived in a commune so do you guys know what a commune is Mm -hmm. it's uh where people they just live everything they own belongs to each other and um he said that he lived in a house with like maybe like 12 or 13 other people and um they all were each other's family so they were all christians and they said they took care of each other um if they if anyone needed anything they didn't never they never had to worry because they knew that the person that they lived with would take care of them and um, he said this is he said this is better than having a wife and um uh it's it's such a weird thing but then like people actually this happens and these are people that actually believe that the church is is your family so it's doable i don't know like i'm sure it's like really difficult and especially here in individualistic america it's it's almost unheard of but it happens uh, okay the gift of singleness uh catherine can i have you read uh matthew 19 please the disciple said to him if such is the case of a man with his wife it is better not to marry but he said to them not everyone can receive this saying but only those to whom it is given for there are eunuchs who have been sold from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. Okay, thank you. So a eunuch is someone who um, basically they they don't uh, they don't have they're not able to reproduce. They don't have any romantic relationships, and Jesus says there are some people that make themselves eunuchs or like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. And these are people that, um, I guess, equivalent now is, I mean, back then they did, like, extreme things. Like, they would, like, um, they would cut off their genitals and they would, I, like, I, I'm not sure about the physiology of it, but then I think that... Just re- the testicles. The testicles. And, uh, the other part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then that, I think that cuts off your sex drive, too, right? Yes, because you don't have... Um, the, the, yeah, yeah. So, um, Jesus is saying that, wow, this is, like, some people actually do this. They, they, um, they give up any type of sex life, they give up any type of romantic relationships so they can give themselves fully to the work of the kingdom. 
No, no, no. I don't think he's saying they actually cut off their testicles. He, he's drawing the parallel yeah, yeah. to, you know, because because if you work in a palace, like especially if you work with the king's wives, yeah. he's going to cut off your yeah. testicles. Yeah, let me, let me clarify. Um, so this is, we talked about this last week. We said um, one of the uh, cursings of, of people in Old Testament uh, Israel was that there were eunuchs and they were not able, they were, they served the court. And, um, but then one of, that, that was, uh, I think this was in Isaiah where it says that, uh, this is a sign of, of a curse is that there are eunuchs and that they eunuchs couldn't enter the temple. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Jesus is, is referring back to the old Testament's, um, way of doing things, but he's saying like the equivalent now is there are some people that they can choose to do, uh, they don't have to go to the, the physical, uh, extremes of doing whatever they need to do but then they can um they can they can uh refrain yeah refrain from from they can live a celibate lifestyle and they can say that i'm not going to have any romantic relationships um okay uh first corinthians 7 jeff can i have you read this please i want you to be free from i'm sorry uh the the just one verse first corinthians 7 7 first close i wish that all were as i myself am but each has his own gift from god one of one kind and one of another. And why don't you read the next uh, next passage as well? I want you to be from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is an- is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Okay. What is Paul saying about singleness here? What do you guys see? It's not bad. We could focus on the church. Mm-hmm. Do other things like we're doing. Yeah. Uh, so those that... I see a few people in relationships here... Um, can you like maybe give us some examples, or maybe especially the, those with kids? Um, can you give us some like tell us about the difference in your lifestyle between what you have now and what you had when you were single? Any fathers in the room that would like to share? Harry wouldn't know. He started dating when he was like twelve. He wasn't married though. I remember when I was in college, my campus fellowship would always kind of joke, like, a girlfriend is a, a eight-unit class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even, even those that that's, uh, have experienced a dating, like, dating someone, you know that it takes a lot more time, right? Um, I, like, I, this is something that I tell, I tell um, people is, um, before I started dating, I, like, I didn't realize, like, how, like, I had so much freedom. Um, and even though, I mean, it, it's it's great that I have a relationship with Christina. I'm really happy for it. And it, it's, I mean, what I gave up was worth it. But at the same time, there's things I can't do now that I I, uh, I was able to do when I was single, completely single. Like, I could stay out, like, till, like, one in the morning just talking to people. And I could, um, I had so much I could do. And um, so much more time, so much more energy. Because when you're with someone, you get, like Paul says here in First Corinthians, he says... You, beyond your own concerns, like I'm selfish enough as it is, that takes up a lot of time just to cater to myself. And here's someone else I need to think about, and I'm going to think about how am I going to take care of her. 
um, what type of time do I need to spend with her? Um, so I need to, I'm in charge of my own schedule. I, I need to like, um, I need to be considerate of someone else's schedule. And a lot of time is taken up. And what Paul is saying here is, if you're single, if you don't have any obligations to anyone in a romantic relationship, you have so much time and energy that you can give. And um, uh, I don't know, like, do you guys have any thoughts, comments? I think that makes sense, right? Because, like, when you have free time, it's like you have 24 hours in a day, and like, that's like, how you allocate it, depending on what your priorities are, right? So, mm-hmm. like, if you don't have like, a significant other you need to spend time with, it's like, you know, the church, right? But, and now, if you're not a Christian, if you go to work, or like, if you're your like, grandma, a hobby, or interest, like, yeah. I thought that also, like, logically would make sense, right? Yeah. Unless you're like, you're taking a girl out and do nothing with your life. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? So, yeah. so, your time has to go somewhere, and then what is spent your time? Yeah, yeah. So Paul is saying, thank you. Um, Paul is saying, um, for those that are still single, even if you plan on being in a relationship in the future, um, you have a lot of time and energy and perhaps even money that you can... I feel like that that point is really important, which is that you don't necessarily have to say, okay, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. Even if you say, I'm only single for this season. For this season, you have so much freedom. And can I tell everyone here, except Harry, you don't understand <laughs> what it's like to have two kids. You have so much freedom. It's just a higher level. It's like, oh, man, damn. You can't even compare. No, I mean, like, I cannot express to you how much freedom you know, how much freedom you have. Like, even, like, Harry, going to the bathroom, it's a privilege. Right? And so... I feel like uh, um, I feel like the Asian American culture, like you, you bemoan your singleness. You're like, oh, I'm single. When can I get married? When can I get married? But I think the Christian perspective says, enjoy your singleness now. It may not always be. Most of you will be married. I hope that's true. So marriage is a wonderful blessing. But while you're single, oh, enjoy, enjoy it, enjoy it, use it strategically for the. Ki- you go to the bathroom when you want. <laughs> I was, we had an elders meeting like a few weeks ago with uh, Sammy, Harry, and, and uh, Michael, Pastor Michael, and um, they were saying, this was in the morning, they were like, oh, I like I woke up at like six in the morning today, I had to take care of the kids, and like, I, I haven't showered or brushed my teeth yet, and I've been up for like five hours already, and I told them, today, I, I woke up an hour ago, and I had a big bowl of cereal, and I drove over. <laughs> That's my life as a single guy. Uh, okay. Uh, let's continue. Um, um, so some of the most significant people in the Bible, they were single. They never had a wife. Um, Daniel didn't. Jeremiah didn't. Joseph didn't. Jesus did not. Paul, Apostle Paul. Um, they uh, were not sure. Actually, there's uh, some people like speculate Paul might have had a wife maybe before he became Christian. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, we, from what we know of Paul, he was single. Um, and he did so much because he didn't have a woman to worry about. I can imagine if Paul had to like bring along uh, like someone to say, "Oh, like I have to consider her schedule, and then I, I can only plant like one church every three years now because of this woman." Um, um, but it's not a bad. I mean, I'm sure he would have. He he would have had. Anyways, so single people. All right. Um, so I'm just. Jesus says, we're not going to read this passage, but Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And it's a lot easier if you have more time and energy to seek the kingdom of God. Um, and then Paul says in First Peter, I'm sorry, um, 
In First Peter says four uh, ten it says, "As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace." Mm-hmm. So some people, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Michael he did a uh, series on cessationism, and the, some people say they have the gift of tongues, they have the gift of prophecy, and Paul says, singleness is a gift, and this gift serves the church. Um, I like every gift that we have, every spiritual gift that we have. Its primary purpose is to serve the church. And for those that are single right now, even if you plan on getting married one day, your singleness right now is a gift given to you by God. And God meant it for you to take your time and your energy right now to serve people, to serve the church. So, um, I mean, if you guys notice, like, I don't know if you've ever paid attention. Everyone that sets up in, in the um, in the morning and everyone that does, like, just shows up here, actually, um, we don't have children. Right? I mean, except for those that make a special extra effort to get here. Um, and at most... Great cost. At great cost, <laughs> yes. And most... Um, mo- if you look at If you look at who helps out in every ministry, it's single people. I mean, imagine if IJC were all young families. We'd, we'd fall apart. Yeah, we'd fall, we wouldn't, we wouldn't <laughs> yeah. even meet. Yeah. So, Pastor Michael and I say this. We say this all the time when we meet. We're, we're so thankful for you guys. We're so thankful for those that are single because, honestly... IGC is built on the backs of single people, yes. so we we um we're very very thankful for for those that are single and uh, all the time and energy that you guys have. So that's for real. Um, okay, uh, let me uh, five minutes, uh, three minutes in this next point, and then we can get some time for uh, some practical aspects. Um, can I have you read read please, um, Luke twenty. Thank you. Jesus tells uh, tell, tells us, he says here, um, one day we're all going to be dead and then we're going to be resurrected. And in the new heavens and new earth, there are not going to be uh, husband or wife or um, boyfriend, girlfriend. And he says, you're going to be like the angels who don't have these types of relationships. Um, we're not we're not given in marriage and and this is this is really the true reality of how things really are. This is how God meant for things to be was for um, was because everything that we have now marriage relationships they're meant to point to something greater and uh, Pastor Michael is going to talk about this in two weeks when he talks about Christian marriage is marriage really is I mean as great and as um, and as as wonderful and as important as marriage is, it is still a pointer to something greater. Um, so you guys can sit in on Michael's class in a couple weeks. Um, but Jesus is saying, your singleness now is uh, is kind of more like how things are going to be in the future. And um, I have a few quotes here. We, I'm, I don't want to spend the time to read through them, but then this is by a guy, uh, these are by a guy named Barry Denalic. And he talks about how um, he just talks through uh, the things that we've talked through and he says there is something here um, well let me let me look at this the second quote um, on the sec- second quote second line he says Christian singleness is a testimony to the complete sufficiency of Christ for the present age and gives visible witness to the hope of our eternal inheritance yet to come so when people see 
that here are all these weird Christian people. They're single when all their other friends are hooking up. And they go, why are these people content? Shouldn't they be dying for a wife or a husband? Shouldn't they be dying for a relationship? And for the Christians, we can say, I may want a husband or wife. I may want a romantic relationship. But even if I don't have it, everything I have now is enough. And God is enough for me. So if I if I end up just like crying myself to sleep in bed because I'm so lonely, at the end of the day, I know that there's something greater than a romantic relationship. And this is something we talked about last week is I, I, I know that it can get really, really lonely. And it sucks to be single sometimes. And um, you see other people with, with their relationships and you see them with their, you know, their Facebook statuses and you go, I, I wish I had that. Um, and I am not, not in any way, um, trying to minimize the pain of loneliness or singleness or the desire to have someone. I know that that's a real, um, feeling and that is completely true and it's okay to feel that. But at the end of the day, we have something so much greater and, um, the, the, the reality of, of all of life is that we're not going to have all our desires fulfilled. Um, we all have desires for certain things and um like just the 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 reality of of life is um there's some things we're going to want and we're going to desire them our whole lives and we're never going to get them and um even that longing is a pointer for something even greater so um whatever whatever longing that we feel um as strong as it is the bible says um you're longing for something even greater than that and we know that um, if it's decades of singleness and decades of loneliness, um, we can feel that pain intensely. And, and God knows that pain. And he, he says, um, uh, well, for me as, as, as your brother, I can't say for certain that you're going to end up with someone. I hope that we do. And um, I, I think it's important to say that, you know, one day we will be united to our true spouse. You know, to say that in the new creation we won't be married, that's true and not true. We actually will be married. We'll be united to our one true spouse mm. who, will, who will satisfy us uh, uh, in a way that even earthly spouses cannot. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's We're good. really looking for Jesus. Yeah. It's, and and this, this touches on so many things. If we, re- if we realize that we'll have these desires and people spend their whole lives... Wanting to fulfill that desire, whether it's a sexual desire, whether it's a relational desire, whether it's a, a desire for children. Um, like I know people that's, that that are married and they've been trying to have kids, and it breaks their heart every single time they take a pregnancy. It's like it's like like their hearts is just a soda can. It's just being crushed every time they see that they're not pregnant. And um, so uh, this is the reality, but there is a greater reality. Um, any questions, comments? Dating. Dating. All right, let's get to it. All right, dating non-Christians. Um, uh, the Bible says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Um, I know that there is a lot of uh, discussion about this topic, and people go like, oh, that doesn't make, really make sense. What do, you, what do you guys hear? What do you guys think? I mean, we should also say that do not be unequally yoked is talking about marriage. Right. 
thought that passage you were really talking about marriage. It's talking. It's talking. Um, you mean it's talking about oxen? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't didn't talk specifically on that topic. I think that's what Paul said. It, this just has to do with oxen. <laughs> it 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 touches on I think um, business relationships. It also touches on um, being uh, brought together with someone else. Um, so uh, we can look at the. Uh, we don't have time to go through everything because I want to make sure we no, cover the other points as well. But I mean, if if you uh, pay attention to the uh, the context, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, who they actually um, had a a very um, a, a huge part of of the Corinthian letters. We're talking about relationships, and um, especially in their very sexualized culture, in which um, relationships were kind of not taken as. Um, as important as other people as as they should be taken, I think that Paul's talking about um, relationships here. But yeah, we can we can look at the context later. Um, I think Pastor Michael may talk about this. I'm not sure in your um, Christian marriage um, Sunday school lessons, but let me just sort of give you a quick summary of why I believe that you shouldn't date a non-believer. Is because if you are um, here's oxen right. And then here's a yoke, right? This is yoke. A yoke is something that ties two two oxen together, um, so they can like have more oxen power. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then here, so here's a, a pretend this is a a Christian. So just a little fish, fish and mingle. Uh, and then here's like another oxen, and he's like hooked up by like, and he's like they're trying to pull they're trying to pull something. And this represents your life. This represents your values. This represents you know how you're going to um, live amongst your community. And one person is pulling, um, pulling in one direction. The other person is not. And what Paul is saying is, if you're a believer, you have different priorities than a non-believer, and um, and you care about something that a non-believer doesn't care about. So uh, in a gist, um, there. With your different values, um, you're going to the things that you hold most dearly. If the person that you're supposed to become one with, this is what a relationship is. You become united with someone. Paul says, "How how are those how are those values going to accommodate each other? Someone's going to have to compromise, and usually it's the believer is going to have to compromise his much more um, uh, true values and standards." So I could like give you examples. I just don't have time, but you guys can maybe think of some. I like I know that there are a lot of Christians that date non Christians, and there are um, a lot of uh, reasons why. Um, but rather than addressing all those reasons, let me just say that Paul, the Bible says don't date non believers, um, and the Bible says you know you can say like you know maybe this person will become a Christian later on. Um, I can say that by killing someone, someone's going to witness, someone is going to be brought to their knees before God because they becomes in, they're, they're in such a desperate situation that they have to turn to God. But does that justify my killing of someone? Um, it doesn't. You don't. You don't justify uh, sin by saying, "Oh, well, maybe something good can happen from it." Um, so, um, well, I, I mean, uh, we don't want it to be too long of a discussion, but. I, I do think Paul is talking about marriage here. 
he's clearly saying it is wrong and sinful to marry a non-believer. Obviously, he's not talking about dating. There was no dating back then. Um, so it doesn't, dating a non-Christian is not sinful per se. I think I would put it in the category of very unwise or um, you're playing with fire. Mm. Um, really best not to, to date. Because what happens if you deeply fall in love with that person right. and they, they're not going to be a believer? What mm-hmm. do you do in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I would say it's very unwise. I would, um, I would not put it in the category of clear sin. Okay. I don't know, but you might disagree. I, don't know. I disagree. Okay. Um, but this is something that Christians can disagree on. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I know actually, um, very close friends of mine that think it's okay. Um, and they have evidence like, well, see what happened. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we could, yes. So, like, I mean, the whole purpose of me saying, like, the two also go together, like, so they don't have the same values and, like, beliefs in mind, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like even, like, Christian dating, it's like, you can both be, like, you know, Christian and everything, but, like, or, like my focus may be, like, being, like, in missions, or, like, her focus may be in, like, you know, something completely different. So, like, I feel like that's almost, like, not a cop-out, but, like, a very, like, like, if that's the whole purpose, like, why you have to marry a Christian, it's kind of, like, I don't know, it just doesn't doesn't really like give a full answer it's like it's like you're saying accept it and move on yeah um i'm saying accept it and move on let me uh this is something that um here these are the things that should set your priorities master this is jesus um destination mission and then mate the three m's (laughs) so your 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 master determines what your mission is in life um, as a Christian, we all have, whether or not we're going to go into full-time ministry, we're all in ministry. Every single one of us is in ministry. We're all for the work of the kingdom of God. That determines your mission. Um, and then who's, what's going to determine who you're going to marry? If this person doesn't care about the things that you don't care, if you care, if this person doesn't care about the things that you care about, I think there's going to be some huge issues there. Um, there's going to be huge issues like, why are you going to church every Sunday morning? When we should be, could be spending time together. Why are you giving 20% of your income when we can put it towards our house? That's a huge, these, these are huge problems. And, um, I don't want to belabor the point too long, but there are huge ramifications and we can talk more about this because, um, I think it's important. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, yeah, I, I just know it's a reality that lots of, a lot of Christians date non-Christians and, um, we can, we can discuss it a little bit more. Let me just, uh, we're out of time. Let me just hit the final two points. Um, don't have sex before marriage. Um, just don't. Because <laughs> when you, when you, when you have sex with someone. <laughs> okay. So when you um, are physically intimate with someone, um, you become one with that person. Paul says this. He says, he talks about um, in First Corinthians six. He says, "Do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? It's not just a prostitute. Whoever you sleep with, you become one with that person, and you bypass every other step that should lead up to that step. You start off with dating someone, and you 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 um, and you become emotionally close. And then when you say to someone, uh, when you when you make love to someone, I'm going to quote." this Tom Cruise movie, Vanilla Sky, which is not a Christian movie, but they understand the concept of sleeping with someone. A lady, a girl tells her ex-boyfriend this. She says, after they've had sex, she says, don't you know that when you sleep with someone, your body makes a promise whether you do or not. 
and this is social when you, you like i like imagine the true. yeah imagine imagine one day you you end up with someone and you find out that this person has slept with one or two or three or however many people and when it hits your mind that this person has become one with another person it is going to cause unimaginable pain and from a just like practical standpoint just i mean save yourself and i i know that it's hard i know that there are hormones and it's really hard to not have sex because it's people want to have sex i won't like like one day like maybe i'll 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 like uh experience like just how great it is but then what beyond beyond the physical aspect you become one emotionally you become one um just like everything comes together and to have that ripped out and and to to hear from your from your significant other um i can't say that you're the only one only person i've become one with or to hear that from the other side i I would add i feel like in general the church tends to scare people and say you shouldn't do it consequences but let me try to make the positive argument the beauty argument for it because i think it's really cowardly when you sleep with someone but you don't marry them because you're basically saying i'm going to be vulnerable i'm going to be naked with you i'm going to be i'm going to be one with you but i'm not going to do that with my money i'm not going to do that with my emotions i'm not going to do that with my life i could leave you tomorrow but i'm going to i'm going to give myself to you right now that is incredibly cowardly if you're going to do that with someone, say, I'm going to do it all the way. I'm going to be naked with you financially, emotionally. In terms of my whole life, I'm going to be with you mm-hmm. until the end. I'm going to hold your hand when you have cancer in the hospital and you're dying and you're hideous. And so I think that uh, uh, this is why the Bible emphatically says uh, sex is in the context of marriage because only in marriage, when you've made a whole <laughs> life promise, can you then, therefore, be naked with someone because you're completely committed, you're completely vulnerable, you're completely... A, a, a promise to that person. And so mm-hmm. I think that's like the positive beauty argument. You yeah. know, Christianity is not just a killjoy saying, oh, is that fun? Okay, no, no fun. No, it's saying this is true joy. True joy only within marriage. Yeah. And I, like, I, like, um, John Piper talks about this. Uh, I'm going to close up in like 90 seconds, but John Piper talks about this. He says that there, the, there's an unimaginable, just like you can't even ex- describe how wonderful it is to like and this is gross to think about John Piper saying this to his wife like while they're making love, but he he writes about <laughs> I this. I'm there already. <laughs> <laughs> like he says to be able to look into his wife's eyes, and and um at the moments of at the moment of climax when they're making love and say you only you are the person that I've shared this with, and that's such a precious thing. And um so I'll leave it at that. But let me just say like I know that many many people have not um saved themselves from marriage, and I'll just say. The gospel says um, you're forgiven. God will never hold it against you. Um, and this is exactly why Jesus died for you. So if you if if we've gone that in that route, um, don't feel any condemnation. And I don't mean when I when we're like Michael. Thank you for pointing out. Don't be moralistic. Um, it's not about keeping rules. It's about God's best for you. And God says, you know, you may have messed up. Um, the cross says you may have messed up a thousand times. And God is going to forgive every single one of those acts. And you are not condemned. Um, you can still, God can still redeem your sin. And he can still use it for good. So, um, you're not ruined. You're not ruined, yeah. Uh, there, look up on YouTube, look up Jesus Wants the Rose by Matt Chandler. Right? Jesus Wants the Rose, and he talks about this. Okay, So wherever we've been, um, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? All right. Um, finally, how to date. Um, Think about others before yourself.
and serve others before yourself. And um, uh, that's, I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for... um, for you loving us better than any boyfriend or girlfriend can. And um, we thank you that uh, whether or not we have any relationship, that we're complete in you, God. We thank you that um, even though we have made mistakes in the past, that you forgive them and that you never, ever, ever remember them. And I pray that we would not feel any condemnation for any uh, failures or mistakes that we have made, God. We thank you for the gospel truth that we are loved regardless of what we do, God. And um, I pray that that would sink into our bones and um, whether we are single or dating or married, um, that we would know that we are truly and completely in holy love, God. And we look forward to the day when everything that we're searching for will be full, finally fulfilled. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, look up Jesus Wants a Rose and go to boundless.org. Lots of good articles. Maybe, maybe on you can post this. Well, I'll, uh, I'll post on the IGC family thing on what Facebook. <laughs>